Forrest wow. Bueller. I would see that movie. I don't even know exactly what's that supposed to be. It's just like when Forrest Gump takes a day off of school. Well, I imagine it. I like to imagine it's just like uh, Forrest well, Gump I, had one rebellious day. <laughs> Not even that. It's like the same movie, but he's playing stupid. But he's being more like. Sometimes it's gotta stick your fingers in your mouth so it makes them all numb. Like, I know it sounds stupid and childish, but so is fucking high school. <laughs> so, like, he's doing the exact same thing, saying the exact same shit, and has that brain, like, that has brain the Forrest Gump going. accent going. Maybe you find out the Forrest Gump thing is just an act, so people, he's too stupid to show up to school. Don't worry about it. That kid's a fucking genius. I know it is. And he's just, tr- he's trying to fucking work around us. He's trying to make us think he's stupid, so get off school. Mama school confuses me. How oh, don't you worry for us? You just stay in bed. He's like a stupid bitch. <laughs> she leaves the room. Stupid fucking bitch. I just like the idea of just like a Forrest Gump who's really just not that great of a guy. Just cause picture a guy talking in that accent the whole time, but he's just kind of an asshole. Because the thing about Forrest Gump, he's like the, he's just the most lovable person you can kind of imagine who does who always does the right thing. But if he's just more like, hey, you fucking idiot. I'm Forrest no. fucking Gump. Suck my dick, you retard. Oh, what? Did you just call me a retard? Yeah, I can fucking say it. <laughs> I can. I can't. You can't. Mom always said, you're a fucking asshole. But you're, you're being the asshole. Yeah, fucking right. I don't know why you always get this like, yeah, fuck, I'm Forrest fucking Gump. You know what, what else? What, what are you? <laughs> well, and else what she said? What? Oh, get the fuck out of my way! You want to see some no, like, I, retard I, strength? I'll show you retard <laughs> strength. I ran across I'll, America twice, you fucking asshole! I'll go Hulk on all you motherfuckers. Now there is um, <clears throat> uh, our friend Wes. One time we were we were bullshitting and <laughs> we were coming with this idea like, what if he was actually just like deep down not a good person and he was just like doing this shit just to like he's like just the there's, there's a whole part where like he runs across the country with all those people behind him he's just like here's my idea i'm just gonna loop all these people they're gonna think i'm some kind of savior and then when we're almost done i'm just gonna stop and say i want to go home they're not gonna know what the fuck to do they're gonna they left their jobs their families just to follow me, and I'll lead him right in the desert, say, I'm done, and go home. Let them go back to life after that shit. Believe me, they'll, they'll sit on the couch for about one week wondering what the hell just happened. I was just thinking, like, we were talking, like, I guess there's the whole part where it's like, Forrest, I want to go home, Bubba. How's it feel down for a country that doesn't give a fuck about you? What? <laughs> I'm taking your script boat. You ain't getting it back. I know your secrets, Bubba. I know them I all. I stole them in your sleep. Force. We were gonna. We were gonna do that together. He looks at him all wide-eyed, grabs his face like, "Were we, Bubba? Were we?" <laughs> I never said that. Only you did. Thank you for the recipe, Bubba. <laughs> Like, Forrest just puts his hand over his mouth. Shh. It's like the most darkest fucking movie possible. Like, he's, like, whispering shit into Lieutenant Dan's ear as he tries to go to bed at night. Like, why would they ever want to cripple Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> I know you think He's the one... I know you think you're getting robot legs, but you ain't. You're gonna we... die before they invent them. We ain't there yet. We ain't gonna be there for a long time. And then he plays it off the next morning like, You want some ice cream, Lieutenant Dan? <laughs> oh, wait, this ice cream's for people that have legs. <laughs> I'll just put it right over here. It sits on the top of some stairs. <laughs> right where you can't reach it. It's just gonna melt away in the sun just like that box of chocolates that I bring out to you every day. Oops. Looks like you didn't get to him in time. If only you walked. Oops. I'm enrolled a little quicker. <laughs> Just like just the shitty asshole Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty funny. But um, if you're just jumping in the show and you're wondering what the hell's going on, I'm Spencer Scott Holmes, and I'm Rand Dunnigan. This is Old Man Orange Podcast, where we just have a good time talking classic movies and all that fun stuff in between. And uh, today's episode's not on. 
Forrest Gump. Uh, actually, before Bueller. we get too to, before we actually get too far, oh, I wanted to say the part of Fed, the, how I was leading to Ferris Bueller. There's the part when his friends like, "You're gonna make me call me. You're gonna make me feel bad." And, okay, okay, okay. I'm gone. That's where I was getting off on that. Anyway, and then somehow we went Forrest Gump, that. Anyway. just the shitty Forrest Gump. We just gumped it up after that. Um, I just want to. You mentioned this on a couple episodes back, but I noticed it's getting a little more traction. So I wanted to tell people we actually we're part of a radio station now, and it's mostly I'd say it's. Thanks to you and Mole Man Chris, because you've been pretty active on Twitter. You've been making friends, and I'm trying to get back into it. I think I've been doing a little better at it lately. And we're on the Mole Hole Talk Radio show now. So, yeah, make sure you check that out, because that's just the cool way that, like, if you just kind of like, you know, I want to listen to a podcast, but I don't want to make decisions, this thing is the most ultimate perfect thing for you. You're driving in the car. you got a job to go to. You whip on some Mole Hole in the background. You don't know what you're going to get. You can get out, go to your job, and jump back in. It's like the old school talk radio, but instead you're getting podcasts full of freedom, you know, and choice and all kinds of good stuff. And there's tons of great shows on there. I mean, it's got Painted Blacks on there. It's got, uh, of course, you know, Bull Man Chris, got Old Man Orange. You know, there's so many shows on there, and he's always adding new stuff. So it's a real fun way to kind of figure that out. But, you know, I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the description below so you can find this. But make sure you go there, subscribe to it, listen to it, help support the cause, because I think this is a real cool thing going on. Yeah, you got uh, the hashtag uh, offense show, uh, no, no offense show, you got Polo Boys podcast, Mo Man show, as you said earlier. Paint and Black just hopped on there a little bit ago, I believe, like you said. So there's a bunch of there's more shows that I actually haven't even heard yet. So yeah, give that yeah. A ch- check that out when you can. Yeah, me and Chris have been trying to spread that around and get people going. Um, speaking of like a guest that was we we're gonna have on the show, but Home Video Hustle I think is gonna be on there too. So but we were gonna have Brent from Home Video Hustle. And I wasn't too sure if PJ was actually gonna be on today, but I think it was just Brent. But you know how sort of the scheduling goes and so on, and he had to go take his grandma somewhere. So at some point, we're finally going to get them. I know this, this has been kind of like a couple of months. Like every single time, it's like, we're going we're gonna to get them on the show. And then it's like, oh, something comes up. And, you know, that's just kind of how scheduling is. You know, there's only so much time in the week to get things done. If we don't all click, then we don't make it. So at some point, we're going to get them on because, we're, you know, we're doing our hashtag countdown to 400 episodes on the podcast and we're trying to just get as many like cool people that we like to come on, whether they be creators, podcasters, artists, you know, what have you. But um, I was like, well, this movie's fresh in our head. You know, it's one of those ones like every day you wait on a movie, it's just kind of like it just fades more and more away. It becomes like a Rolling Stone song. Where it's like, you're just a memory. And sometimes two months down the line, I forgot to even watch the movie. Has that ever happened to you where you're like, oh, shit, I have watched that movie before? Yeah, that's happened. Well, I mean, it's happened where, you know, when we were going through our DVD craze, like buying used DVDs from the pawn shop, like, oh, yeah, I bought that already. So, but, so watching movies has kind of happened the same way every so often. Like, oh, wait, I did see that one. But on this week, we were going to go back in time with a 1974 classic, The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, the original version. So, did you see the, because uh, I saw the, the Tony Scott, Denzel Washington, John Travolta version. Did you see that one at all? Yeah, I got that one on DVD. That movie's amazing. Yeah, that's probably my favorite one out of all of them. I'm just going to say that. But that's a really, really good movie that I think, if you've never seen that movie, go check it out. Because it was one of those ones where it sort of came out, and it was there, and then it just sort of disappeared. You know what I mean? But... That movie is well worth going. And that's what kind of made me excited about checking out the original. I'm like, I just want to see what the original one is. I want to see that. And the the weird thing is I learned also there's a 1998 remake as well, too. And it's got, um, it's got Edward James Almos in it. It's got, um, who else does it have in it? It has Vincent D'Onofrio and it has Donnie Wahlberg. And I was just like, well, that's kind of just interesting in itself. I was like, I'd never heard of that one. And it's it's funny because that's not really, that's only like, 10 years before the Tony Scott one, because what's Tony Scott, 2007 or 8 or something like that? 2009, so not that long off. Yeah, it's literally about 10 years off, so go figure. But in this original one, you got Walter Matthew as the main character, as the Denzel Washington character, I guess you could sort of say. It's a little bit different, but he's close to it. Then you got, um, oh, what's his name from uh, Jaws? Um, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. And he's your main villain in it, and he's pretty much, you know, the John Travolta one if you've watched that version. 
And that's just a kind of a cool character lineup anyways, because he's already an amazing actor. I mean, he's also the villain in From Russia With Love. So it's like he's always got cool roles and so on. Just to see him in this, you know, was really special, I think. Mm-hmm. I thought that, because uh, I was go- going into this one, because taking a pal in 1, 2, 3, the 2009 version, watching that was one of those things like, okay, it's Denzel Washington and John Travolta. Oh, and it's directed by Tony Scott. And I was just expecting to like the movie, but... It's one of those things, I remember liking it a lot when I saw it, but I have not seen it since we rented it, like, in 2009. So, back when you actually still rented shit. Mm-hmm. So, I think it was on the tail end of that, roughly. And, um, watching that movie, I remember being surprised by how much I was into it. And, going into this, I guess I shouldn't hold the remake up to this so much, but it's one of those things, going into it, I was hoping for more of a dynamic between... Is it Walter Matthau or Walter Matthew? Matthau is how I think it's always pronounced. I was hoping for more of a relationship between Walter Matthau and Robert Shaw, because Robert Shaw was more of a calm, collective British villain. Walter Matthau was more of a, God damn it, I'm just an angry cop trying to get by in this day, in a day's job, and this and that, you know, where Denzel Washington was a, literally a regular guy who's been at it for a while, but just tossed into this conversation because he was the first one put on the phone with the guy and John Travolta not he didn't really like him but the guy was mentally off but he you could see he was just kind of like no no Garber is my guy Garber every once in a while I say look motherfucker you got until this time and every so, oh, so often he'd go on the phone with them be like yo Garber what's up man they have to get stuff the phone with them be like man that guy's voice is sexy as hell if we were in prison together he would so be my bitch yeah well that's what I like you know that the Tony Scott one is like it's talk about it's a perfect example of taking a movie that is that is a really good one I think the classic still is good but really taking it to that next level adding much more character development now it sounds like we're doing a retrospect on the Tony Scott one but you know what I mean it really does add that much more and it's just you got two fantastic actors you got one of the best directors of all time and that movie comes together super swell. And this one's just more kind of like, what I like about the old one, the 74 one, is it just gives you that old school 70s feel. You know, it's almost like, it is totally the movie of every, like, classic Brooklyn accent almost. Because <laughs> that's just what it is. It's just a bunch of pissed off blue collar worker guys. Be like, is somebody fucking taking over the train today? Oh, who the fuck's taking it? We got business to run here. You know, it's just there's so many guys just yelling at each other, being like, oh, fuck you, we do whatever we want. Just like the ultimate blue, blue collar guy. I mean, there's a group of Asian guys that come to see it. They're like, oh, these guys are from Tokyo. To, you know, come see what our New York subway station like. And Walter Matthews walking them around and stuff. And he, at first, he just doesn't think they speak English. And so he's like, oh, well, whatever, we'll just show you all this stuff here and everything. So, you know, here's how it works. Here's the station and so on. Like, that. <laughs> he even has a line where he's like, that's okay. These monkeys don't, don't speak English. <laughs> And I don't know what it is, but it's something about, like, you, when you just have those, like, classic, like, grandpa-type actors, just, it's like, eh, it's okay, he could get away saying something like that to everybody. I want to say this, while we were talking about Walter Matthau, just for a second, I'm surprised he never played Nixon. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised, too. I was trying to think for a second, but I'm like, no, I guess he never did do that, because it's like Anthony Hopkins plays him in uh, the Oliver Stone one. Because I was looking at him like he had to play Nixon at some point. Just looking at him, just looking at him like, and I even like I even like went on Google like like Walter Matthau Nixon, and there are comparison shots like lots of them, but he never played Nixon. Which I watched this the whole time. Like man, I can't I I can't you know that's one of those things. I'm surprised that never happened. But going back to this though, just I just wanted to share that for a second because it popped in my head. Um, and I like how like those uh, Japanese guys are just like it's okay. We will show ourselves out. No big deal. Thank you. They're all bowing <laughs> everybody. They speak it perfectly fine. <laughs> and Walter Matthau just like, fuck. <laughs> he puts his head down. Well, this is also an example of, you know, I'm not going to make it like it's a big deal every time we do one of these movies. We do a lot of retro movies. But this is, once again, one of those situations of, here's this movie says a lot of shit you couldn't say today. Or if you were to say it, like, oh, these are bad guys. These are the guys in the mafia or organized crime that are saying this kind of shit. And even nowadays, too, people will jump on even bad guys saying bad stuff, which I think is hilarious when I hear that, where it's like, oh, a bad guy can't say offensive stuff. If, like, even that's, like, too hardcore for people nowadays. Like, that's so weird. But, like, in this thing, it's like, I don't feel like none of the stuff that, like, the, these guys are generally saying, like, all the workers at least, it's just like, that's just, like, normal blue-collar speak. If you went out to a job site today, you would still 
hear that. You know, they probably won't say it nearly as open because they're, you know, there's always like an HR guy around the corner who's getting ready to fire you. But mm-hmm. that's just like I feel like it's blue collar speak. It's not it's not being racist. It's just kind of like joking and, you know, kind of busting your balls. And, you know, sometimes I think that's, you know, that's a little hard for, you know, maybe people in the city that have never worked a real job to like kind of comprehend, you know, even though these guys are in the city. But you know what I mean? The, the, you know, the, the soft people out there. Well, plus, you know, at the time, I mean, I I'd never been to New York, but I, you know, there's also that um, that class divide. So, you know, you got people, there's the part when, like, the mayor's assistant says, well, what's going to happen? When the mayor says, what happens if we do save him? Well, you know what's going to happen. The Times is going to love you. The, the Beast is going to hate you. These guys are going to stay neutral. The blacks and the Puerto Ricans won't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, I just want those because nobody fucking likes this mayor guy. I like how that guy plays like a mayor like in every movie. He's like the mayor in Batman '89 and everything like that. Like that guy's just like Mr. Mayor from movie roles. And he's always like period. the fumbling, like no, no, oh, what to do? Like, like how did I get voted into office? You know, like every, if everybody hates him, how the fuck did he get voted into office? Well, you know, that just kind of happens, like, all the time. For Like, think about it, like, does anybody really know any of their congressmen too much? You know what I mean? There's a select few really that put well. that time into it, but nobody has any idea. I feel like 90% of people that go to the voting booths have no idea who the heck these guys really are. Yeah, good point. But it's just when the guy pulls in initially, he, everyone's just there. He's like, it's the mayor! Fuck that guy! <laughs> like, like, uh, like, like, they're just, like, they're the police officers, they just hear a bunch of boos. Oh, I guess the mayor must be here. <laughs> He's like, hey guys, don't get mad at me. I'm sick, but I'm still here. I still showed up for the job. Yo, fuck you, man! <laughs> That's what I kind of like, too. Is I just like how people just, like, really hate this guy. Like, this guy is, perfect example, he is, like, just a bad guy. And people still just, like, don't like him either. It's like, why not? He, he just seems kind of like, I just want someone to like me. Uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee Wallace is the actor. Yeah, that, that's the guy. <laughs> I like it's in the credits. Says Owl, the mayor of New York City. Yeah, exactly. So it's just so like you know who he was. Owl don't deserve no last name. <laughs> but um, he doesn't have people. The the other interesting thing about this version too is this one's almost like has that proto Reservoir Dogs kind of ness oh, where yeah. all the villains you know go by a color scheme. Except for this one's like Mister Blue, Mister Green, Mister Gray, and Mister Brown. You know, and I think the interesting dude, mm-hmm. Mr. Brown, this is like one of those like weird things, but like that's, um, oh, and Home Improvement, that's the neighbor Wilson. <laughs> I thought that was Really? Just, I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. In that case, knowing that, I'm a little disappointed. I wish he never took the fedora and the, uh, the trench coat off. I wish he never saw like his lower half of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just, he's always holding it. He's just got a beard on instead of like a mustache. <laughs> something, or like a bandana or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But um, at it, it, first, that's like my America's. I like when I was watching this movie, I, I kept seeing you know because you kept seeing like the guys and they're they're slightly different dress, like almost like they went to a thrift store and they found stuff that was close but not a hundred percent like the same outfit. And I was going like, wait a second, is that the same guy over and over again? It's like, oh no, that's just like they got you know the same kind of trench coat, mustache, glasses, and hat on, and th- these are the guys that's going to rob the train. So it's like you get more of a group where. Because I think in the John Travolta, it was just John Travolta. I don't, he didn't have anybody else with him, did he? I, I think remember. he had a few. He had a few guys with him. I don't remember who they were because there were some people he was talking to. I want to say by the end of it, it was down to John Travolta and Denzel, like okay. at gunpoint. But I want to say he had at least two other guys with him, at least because he had he needed somebody. That one they still needed someone that knew how to operate the train. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he so he still had the train operator and everything like that. That's true. And then um, I, I like how I, this one too. I also I love Walter Matthau's like I love that like shirt and tie he's got. That right there is like as seventies as you could get. Looking like a used car salesman. Yeah, just bright yellow and multiple <laughs> colors and so on like that. And then the other cool thing too, it's also in the same place. Um, in the is Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's dad's in there too, and I thought that was amazing too. He's one of the radio operators. I thought that guy looked familiar. It makes so much yeah, was, more sense now. I was like, where have I seen that motherfucker? And I love when, like, Walter Matthau's showing the Japanese guys around. He's like, oh, you know, hey, Jerry, you know, you want to explain, like, any, you know, interesting incidents that come on? And Jerry's sitting there, like, reading a newspaper, and he doesn't say anything. He's like, well, you know, any events? And he's like, yeah, there was a, there was a bomb. Turned out to be a watermelon. 
yeah, that, that was a rough day. And he goes back to read. He's like, you got any more stuff? He's like, I'm busy. Matt, can't you see I'm busy right now? I'm reading. It's just, just like, <laughs> so, like such like I really could care less about that. <laughs> These people showing up. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where. It's just meant to be like, oh, these guys are totally off guard. I kind of, I, I wonder how many movies, this might seem like a weird question, I wonder how many hostage movies there really were up to this point. I mean, you know, there's the point in like, you know, whatever uh, Western movie, like, all right, if the cops don't get away, we're going to kill everybody in this saloon or in this bank or whatever. You know, you have that. But I was wondering up to this point, how many movies have you had where it's about a group of guys trying to take over something? Because this is like proto-speed. It's kind of like the guys who made speed, like, all right, what if we took it off the railroad tracks and into the street? Holy fuck, you're blowing my mind. Which is kind of true, because everybody always goes to the thing of like, almost like, really everybody always says, oh, Die Hard, you know, when that movie came out, everybody kind of copied Die Hard. Granted, yes, but we can see this is also like the proto-Die Hard as well, too. Mm-hmm. Except there's not the only difference about this one. There's not like one man inside the train who's um, trying to stop it. Now they do reference there's like there's a cop out there and everything like that. There's some cop in there and they can go. I don't know. It's a man or a woman or a dame or you know whatever it is and so on. And I love also when that cop finally comes out. It's like oh, it's this most Superco motherfucker looking guy out there. <laughs> it's like out of all those people, I saw it's like that guy, the guy who's just like as hippie up as you can be. <laughs> and I think one of the best parts too is when he runs out at the very end to like chase the guys down. He like literally just like trips and falls like face first down. And I was like, I would have laughed so hard if that's where the guy just died. Like that's as far as he fucking got. <laughs> well, this movie has some moments where I'm watching. Like, all right, I'm trying to think back because it's been a long time. Because I remember when I first saw the remake, I really liked it. I just haven't seen it since I first saw it. And so there are some things like, okay, I remember this part. Oh, I remember this part. I don't remember this part. And there's the part when they first realize, because when, when uh, Robert Shaw and all his boys take over the train, and then they don't really know if to take over just yet. There's the one guy, there's the, what his name was like, Fat Kaz. His character, like, and it was played by Tom uh, Petty. Not, 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 not P-E-T-T-Y, P-E-D-I. Um... He's going out there like, I don't fucking believe this. This is bullshit. Like, hey, you got to watch your language. There's a woman here. Like, how how am I supposed to run a fucking train station when I can't be swearing around a fucking woman? <laughs> you know, like, just well, like He's like, doesn't anybody know how you run a business is by swearing? <laughs> like, that's like, it's just like, there's so many, like, great accents. If you need to learn, like, an old school New York accent, this movie is the movie to do it. Because you could come away with, like, 20 different voices. <laughs> Well, everybody in this is just plays, like, angry New Yorker number which one? Because <laughs> they're all, like, just angry New Yorkers. Because there's the part where he's like, that dumb son of a bitch is on the track. Oh, God, God damn it. Like, I, you know, he's actually, he's, I, I want to say it's the same scene. It's just like, you know, actually, by this point, we're pretty sure that he's been taken hostage. I don't give a shit. I'm going to go tell that motherfucker what's on my mind. And he's walking past all the people that are like hey man we're we're kicked off the train this is bullshit you you guys got a better security i fuck you fuck you and then he's getting up to the train getting closer and closer like dude we got machine guns fuck you i don't give a shit i love that kind of ad that's like the can-do attitude it's like he just keeps walking towards him it's just a big overweight guy just balding like gotten you know just like the guy who's just stressed out as can be in life I don't give a shit if you got a fucking machine gun. Fuck you. Off my fucking train. They unload on him. Oh, there's that. Yeah, there was that guy. Oh, that stopped him. And then you got the then you got that guy. I'm pretty sure that like I don't know, maybe they were they maybe they came from like like he's he is a severed Siamese twin or some shit. Because then there's the one guy who almost has the same exact personality uh-huh. but shares an office with Walter Matthau. And he's all like just the whole time he's all like, Oh the fucking train's still stopping. Oh you gotta deal with those hostages. What about my train? Like Jesus Christ. You realize like, I got a is- business to run here, Walter. Just one of those and they try to make it out like Walter's almost like the soft guy of the budge, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you got hostages? Who the fuck cares? That's eight, 17 people. Let them die, you know what I mean? We got a business to run here. We can get more trains. 
What do you mean that they're running late with the fucking money that they were just told to collect 20 minutes ago? What bullshit is that? <laughs> yeah, I just like all these hostages. Like, like, there's a lot of, like, people going, like, you know what? It's just 17 people. Like, eh, you know, we can get 17 more later on in a new train. It's not that big of a deal. Well, it makes the mayor, like, what should I do? And it's like, I like I his wife's just the one, like, that's 17 more votes for next election. Oh, well, that's a good idea then. Oh, I guess that's what we'll do. He's just like literally like, I don't know how he even got so far in like the political game. This guy, I mean, the worst part too, is I know it's kind of based off like a real mayor of New York. So granted, there was somebody who was just like tripping over his own dick the whole time he was in office. Well, it's just funny to me. Just like, that's all it took. Like 17 more votes. Oh, <laughs> well, I think it's more like, that's 70 people that's going to vote for sure. That means everybody that sees it is like, oh, maybe the mayor's not such a bad guy after all. It's like a spiral effect. Long term, I get it. At the exact same time, though, I'm just thinking, just like, what's well, 17 people that might like me by the end of the day? What if he did approve it? Well, he did approve it. What if they all just immediately vote the other guy still? <laughs> Probably do it the, in the long run. <laughs> but, but I stopped the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> that goes that, but going to that though then it just becomes kind of a series of them just it's more of like a, even though I like this movie and as far as I can tell there's not a lot of movies like it at the, before it came out I'm not sure how much rewatchability it has because there is a lot of tense like oh what like the first time you watch it like what's gonna happen I already had an idea of what was gonna happen because I saw the remake but part of me was also wondering what um like is this guy gonna die is that guy gonna die i knew at the end of the day that mr blue was gonna die or get caught to some extent and i had a feeling walter Matthau was gonna walk away okay but it was just some of the things like okay is this hostage right here gonna die or is this i was like i was kind of hoping the guy like get off my fucking train just that Fuck you, I don't give a sh- I was gonna hope and he would die. Just cause, you know, just... <laughs> just, it's not like, like he died doing what he wanted. Yeah, he's like nowhere near any of like the action or danger or what have you. But maybe he could have stressed out so much he had a heart attack and just died on the floor. Everybody looks down for about three seconds and then goes back to what they're doing. <laughs> Well, I also like, too, because then you get, like, the guys, and then it's, like, pretty much Mr. Gray is, like, the Mr. Blue of, like, the Reservoir Dogs kind of character. He's the, he's the wild card. The, the one where you sometimes you kind of go, like... Mr. Blonde? Oh, yeah, Mr. Blonde, I mean. Yeah, my bad. He's, he's like, the that's, like, the Mr. Blonde of this group. And um, there's always that kind of wild card character sometimes kind of have in certain movies. It's, sometimes you're kind of, like... Was this just, like, all the choices you had, and this is why you went with it? Because sometimes there's always the wild card guy. It's like, why do you pick the wild card guy? You know what I mean? You just know he's going he's gonna to go off the hinge at some point. Well, we had a short guy. We had a tall guy. We had an average-sized guy. We kind of need one more so to kind of, like, fit the profile, you know? Yeah, exactly. What's well, like, you know, you had, um, uh, God, uh, Robert Shaw. Was he Mr. Green? He him? was Mr. Blue. Oh, yeah, he was Mr. Blue. You know, he's kind of the main one. And then you had, of course, Mr. Gray, who's a wild card, who would just, like, you know, kill people and just say things and try to pick up on hookers while he's there. I like how that lady, like, it's funny. There's that lady, and she's like, I'm not a hooker. Who do you think I am? Blah, 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 blah. And she goes off, you can't just tell people what they are. New Jersey all the way. And then the credits, it's like, hooker. <laughs> I thought that Does was it say that, hooker? It literally did. It said it called her a hooker in, in the credits, and I just thought it was like, oh, I, I thought she was just like, well, once like just the way she was dressed and everything like that. The guy was just making jokes that she was a hooker. It's like, no, you, you, you are the hooker. Mary Gorman, and little above her is just uh, Gary Bowling, the homosexual. Yeah, I know. I saw that too. It's just like, oh yeah, you know. Well, at that time period, it was like, ooh, that, that's risque. Look, look who they're throwing in there. I don't even remember what character that was. I, I don't know either. I try to think of like, who, I'm like, who was the gay guy? Because there was no guy that was like, it's like not when Mister Gray's like, if I can't get a woman, I'll get a man. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to lose. Well, that guy, he was like Mister Gray was totally like balding, creepy, rapist looking guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you didn't know what he was gonna do. Mr. Brown, who was Will, who is uh, Wilson from Home Improvement, he was more of just the 
he wasn't, I'm not going to say he was the nice guy, but he's more of strictly business. He's not going to strive to, he's like the reliable one. Mr. Blue was the brains. Mr. Green, who was the train, was the old retired train operator. He was a little bit of a fuck up, but they kind of needed him because he knew how the train worked and all that. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have been there. Yeah, exactly. And I really will say, like, Wilson's character, I felt like he has kind of like the least amount of screen time. Like, he's, he's kind of, he's more just sort of there. Is like yeah. a background character. Like they don't focus on him nearly as much as the other three. Mm. And then they got he that. Is, oh, yeah. Brown is a little bit more of like the blunt instrument of the group, but he's reliable. Mm-hmm. And and then you got Mr. Green, who's just pretty much being the um, you know he's the train operator and things like that. But then he's got this cold, which is kind of like what comes back around at the very end and everything like that, which has like one of the best like Walter Matthau experience. Like the way this movie ends, <laughs> I think is. Totally amazing, you know <laughs> that that ending. To it. I know we're jumping all the way around in this film and so on, but um, when they're going to search for the one last guy, and they're like, "Oh, okay, I have this list of ninety guys that we fired in the last like five years or ten years or whatever. Like we've narrowed it down to nine people or something like that." And they're going to search to find that last guy that they know worked there and so on. And when they go to like his house or whatever, and he's it's kind of weird because he's actually like a real nice guy the whole way through and he's kind of the one who's like not trying to do the wrong thing not trying to he doesn't want to see people die or anything like that he's just doing it like a job because that's just all he can probably get and then he's kind of a jerk there towards the end like i don't know what it is it's just like oh he's that nice guy thing just kind of went away he's just like fuck you guys get out of my house get out of my house and then he goes he he just got desperate that's all it was he was nervous he was because he knew like oh shit they're on to me yeah, and I just like how it's like right as they go, like, okay, we're, we're out of here, we're going away, and then he sneezes, and Walter Matthau just opens the door, just gives his face, he's like, hmm, <laughs> just looks at this, just like the, and that's just like, that's, it goes to credits right there, like, you, he knows exactly who this guy is now because of this cough, is, or this, yeah, sneeze and cough has appeared over the radio this whole time, and just that face is just amazing. Well, it's like this, uh, he gives him like the Dwayne the Rock Johnson look. <laughs> yeah, it's almost that guy. Just like I know who it is, but it's just that like you know, Walter Matthau, angry Mister Wilson face that just kind of comes in, just like you know, just like angry, pissed off grandpa, with just the most like bitch. What'd you say? Yeah. Oh, it's just hilarious. But um, but yeah, this movie the whole way through, like this one's a little bit less, I, I guess, action packed. It more fits along the thrillerness of it all, I guess you could kind of say. You know, like there's only like, well, there's a, there's a, there's a handful of action scenes and so on. You know, of like where like couple police officers. There's like one random police sniper just shoots a bullet off at some point and like never really goes back to that. Like it just causes chaos for us. Like who the hell just did that? And it's like never like we don't even know who that guy is. You feel so bad for the um train conductor it was his first day it's like don't worry like that's where like you knew something bad was gonna happen because mr blue was being really nice to him suddenly this is like don't worry don't worry no just walk down there you'll be fine nothing's gonna happen don't worry i promise just walks down there bam bam fuck that guy <laughs> yeah exactly and I th- that's the one that that guy's played by uh matthew broderick's dad james broderick coming back around Ooh. Really? That was Matthew Broderick's dad? Yeah, coming back around to, like, the, you know, our intro talk. Oh, I came full circle about that. Yeah, it's weird how it is. It's also, like, um, the other interesting thing about Mr. Gray is, um, this also comes back around just our podcast in general, he plays James Gordon in uh, Lego Batman. Really? And then he also plays Bane in um, Mystery of Batwoman and uh, Rise of, uh, what, Shinzu? Really, he does? Yeah, so it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And he plays a couple other characters throughout Justice League and Batman and so on like that. So it's like, huh, how about that? that was the guy that played Mr. Gray? Yeah, that that was the wild card, the Mr. Blonde guy. Hector Elizondo? Yeah, that's him. That sounds like he could play a Bane. Yeah, exactly. We meet again, Batman! I can kind of see that, kind of like... That came out a little less Spanish than I meant. A little less Spanish than I meant it to. But yeah, you get the idea. Huh. But yeah, but uh, this is still just one of those kind of cool. This is to me reminds me of, like one of those like neat his- 
historic sort of movies of just like I like just like the small things in it where it's just like you just get to see the technology of like how they're running the subway system in 1974, you know, the electronics they have, almost like the proto computer system of like knowing where the trains are and being able to control them and being able to turn the lights on and off and, you know, the brakes and so on. Just small stuff like that. Just like that's always something that like. Where some people might go like, oh, well, you know, the movies, you know, might seem like outdated. It's like, no, 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 it never will because it will always have that historical sort of feel to it of being able to take like a journey back in time just to see sort of how things were run and just the different style that it is compared to like, you know, you watch the Tony Scott one and it's like, you know, super sophisticated and computers and, you know, all high tech as can be and so on. It's just interesting to see like, you know, because this is like as high tech as you can get in 1974 and it still looks high tech to me in my opinion. Well, there is some kind of they, they they had some weird kind of like lever contraption they attached to like the bottom of the train, which nullified the dead man's lever as they called it. Because you always had to have weight leaning on it just in case someone died, so the train would stop that way. Where this one, like, oh no, this thing bypasses it. Just this weird little these poles they strapped to in a weird way in the bottom of the train, so that the train just kept on going and going for a minute. When people are like, it's going to stop. Like, I was, I'll was i be honest with you. So, like, most of the passengers, I wanted to live. But there's a couple. I'm like, oh, my God. The lady's screaming with the kids. Just let her fucking die. It's, Jesus Christ. Just go for it. And plus, those kids are stupid. Like, there's a part where, like, I don't remember what happened. But, like, I want to say, like, <laughs> it was just one of those things. Like, man, you're giving me no one to root for in this situation. Like, I want to say, like, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, uh, robbers said something or like said like some smart ass thing to somebody and the kid laughed in a really annoying tone and the mom's like you shut up and starts beating the kid right there <laughs> and the kid starts crying really like like really loud and annoyingly so i'm like god you're giving me no one to root for right now i was like there's like the old jewish guy in there who's like the most optimistic of them all like hey, you know if i'm gonna die i want to know what's going on you know how much you getting a million dollars you know and then even when the train's going everybody's like we're gonna fucking die it's over and there's like the hippie lady like chanting there and everything like that and every- she's willing it to stop yeah and stuff like that and the jewish guy's like we're gonna stop we don't need to worry about it it's gonna stop when it gets there i have faith <laughs> you know <laughs> I told you it'd stop. <laughs> How did it stop? I don't remember. Um, I think they the eventually did. To... I think they eventually hit a red light, and it was able to have the brakes come back on. Because they had all the oh, green okay. light. That was the problem is that they had all the green lights sort of going, so there was no place for it to stop because that's how they had it set up, so that when they <laughs> jumped out, or when the bad guys jumped out, that it would just keep going, and then the police would think that they're following the train. But uh, yeah, I can't remember how it did. So they somehow, some way, got to a green light. Or a red light, I mean, and it... I think because they wanted a... They said, I want a straight shot of just green lights and green lights only. And they hopped out, and I think that they got onto the plan. He says, like, put on some red lights, put on some red lights, and they put on some red lights at the last minute. Maybe, maybe that. Maybe that's how it kind of went down, when the police turned around and so on, mm-hmm. and it went to go track him. <laughs> I also like to just... I think about all the passengers in there, when the, when the Superco guy just, like, jumps out the back, you know, everybody's like, what the fuck's that asshole doing? <laughs> like... Because they have no idea who he is. They don't know he's an undercover cop or anything like that. Because that's something you're trying to figure out the whole time, like, who's one of the cops. I would have loved it if the pimp was actually a cop. Like, get down, motherfucker! Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I will say, like, they still went with, like, kind of, I guess, like, a somewhat ballsier approach. But I thought it, like, would have been better if that... Or, I even do, like, because they keep thinking... It was the hippie chick? They keep thinking, yeah, like, something, like, just random like that. And I like, I like with the old Jewish guy or something like that. Like, I like how... I was, like, one of the, ki- one of the kids who's actually <laughs> just a midget. Yeah. But I like how, um... They, they keep talking, they're like, well, maybe it's a woman out there. They're like, oh, if it's a woman, you know it ain't gonna be solved then. <laughs> Come on, Bonnie, you know what? You know how it goes. <laughs> But I like when Walter Matthew finds the guy because he jumps out. He like hits his head, so he's almost like knocks himself out. He's like, he's like, don't worry, lady, we'll get you to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be okay. <laughs> I like how it just kind of came back around as almost a joke. Oh, then there's the one lady who is just like drunk, passed out on the bench the whole time, and after yeah. it's over, she wakes up. Like, are we already at fifteenth? Yeah. What did we miss? You know? Yeah, I know that lady just like drank herself. 
It's like, I like how she just, like, slides when they hit the brakes. She just goes across the seat. Like, it's this big old, like, fat lady. Just like, Just like a drunk. You just be like, oh, you know what? We can just, can, can she be the first, uh, can she be the first of the, uh, of the hostages you kill? Like, oh, well, you know, we gotta actually add some stakes to it somehow. She's almost kind of long for the ride. She's not really a bargaining ship. <laughs> she, just, she she holds down weight for the train. It's kind of weird. Like I don't think they kill a single hostage in this one. They killed the uh, train conductor. Yeah, but that wasn't really a. I guess that was sort of a hostage, but that felt like that yeah. wasn't the same. He's a he's a working man. He's not a real person. <laughs> yeah, you know what he signed up for is on the contract. <laughs> but uh, yeah, British dudes and fake mustaches. May take the job over at some point. It's in your pamphlet. Yeah, just 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 to let you know, you know what you're signing on to. Most it's people like, oh, don't. Shit, this is what they're talking about. I was expecting this maybe month three, not day one. You know how it is. You, you want a job. You just start to sign your name. You know, you, you didn't expect this was what was going to happen. Ultra math out like ah oh, great British guys with fake mustaches. Here we fucking go <laughs> again. <laughs> But um, yeah, I also like I like the way that like sort of like um, um, Robert Shaw goes out at the very end, like Walter Matthew comes down there and stuff, and they got him at like gunpoint and everything like that. And he goes, "You're gonna put me out of my misery? Can you do that? Can you use that? Can you police kill somebody here?" And it's like, "No, I can't do that." So he just takes his foot and puts it right onto the electricity of the track and just burns himself right there and kills him. I'm like that's kind of a ballsy way to go. I can't remember if John Travolta does that in the movie. John Travolta, it comes around full circle because there's a point where um, John Travolta is talking to. It, it's like one of those full come around things. There's like a. When he gets. One of the first hostage points, he gets like the gun pointed to the kid's head. And John Travolta, and uh, I think Denzel Washington says something to stop it. And he says, like. He's like, Gorder, you're. You don't even know this kid. You don't even know who I'm putting my gun at. You just saved a kid, man. You're my goddamn hero. Puts the thing to the to the kid's f- f- mouth. He's like, say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving my life, Gorder. Thank you for saving my life, Gorder. Now sit down. And then it comes back around. John Travolta has a gun. He's like, because he wanted Gorder. I want to say in that one, something happened where Denzel had to like personally hand over the money or come along with him for some reason near the end. It was, it was part of the bargaining. She's like, no, 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 I'm talking to Gorda the whole time because cops came in. Because he wasn't a cop in the Denzel one. He was just a guy working the tracks. Yeah, he was just and, a train operator, I guess, but like as a computer. And he was the guy who was the first one to talk to him. He says, no, 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 I started this Gorda meeting with Gorda. You get Gorda out here. So he's like, okay, I'll go along. And he... Somehow he gets put in a position where he has a gun drawn on John Travolta. He's like, all right, man, you got to kill me now. you got to kill me now. And he's like, I'm not going to kill you, bro. I'm not going to kill you. i got to wait till the cops are going to take you in. You're going to give me a worse life, like a worse death if you give me the cops. you got to kill me now. There's a, you got ten seconds. I'm going to reach into my pocket and pull my gun out and shoot you. you got ten seconds before I do that, okay? One, two. And he's like, I'm fucking disappointed on you, man. He's like, down to one. And then, then like Denzel shoots him. He's like, you're my goddamn hero. Falls over. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. But I watched that scene before we started the show, just to remind myself, because I remember I liked that scene a lot. Yeah. Well, so I got that one on DVD, and I watched it a couple years ago or something like that. But that that one is a really good one. This one here, this is, I feel like the old one. It's definitely one of those ones like, yeah, you probably wouldn't throw it on just all the time. It's maybe like a one time watch. I don't mean that like in a bad way, but. You know what I mean? Where the other one, I feel like, is the one you could watch a couple times and so on. But it is still just a neat throwback movie that people just don't talk about nearly as much. If you want to see a little bit of proto-Reservoir Dogs, see where Quentin Tarantino got some ideas, it's cool for that. If you want to just see old-fashioned technology of New York subway systems and just see, you know, some good actors kind of chewing the scenery, it's awesome for that. It is one of those movies I think it just is pretty neat overall. But, you know... If you want to see one of the greatest facial expressions, <laughs> you have to wait till the very end. Exactly. That, that's, like, the best part of it all. It was, like, worth but, it. Uh, I'm glad they waited till the end to put that part in there. If they yeah, started I mean, with the movie. It, was, it would have been all downhill from there. Good old credits, too. It's good old, I mean, good old 70s movie just cuts the credits right there. Like, I, I love that. Like, you don't have the extended endings or the multiple endings. It's just a fluid movie. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes, so it doesn't take up any of your time. 
It's a great film. We'll put a link in the description of the podcast if you want to check it out. You go to Amazon and grab it. You know, help support the podcast a little bit there, too. Hopefully they got it on streaming or something like that, too. You never know what they got in these days. But, um, yeah, overall, a fun one. I wish Brent could have been here with us, too. I'd like to see what his thoughts were on this classic movie. But we'll get him on for another one pretty darn soon. And hopefully PJ as well, too. I know he has kind of a harder schedule, but get the home video hustle crew on here and uh, talk good old classic movies. Be good to get their view. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anything else you want to add to this film or anything like that? I think we mostly covered it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a fun, neat look back and everything like that. But um, remember, check out hashtag countdown to 400 because we're climbing up to 400 episodes of podcasting glory. You can go to oldmanorange.com for more comic books, podcasts, animation, videos, and all that good stuff there. Uh, I've been starting up the blog a little bit more, too, so I keep putting at least material up every... I try to go for at least every other day or so, if not every day, something new, podcast-related, review-related. It kind of all ties in together, but you can check that out as well. And then, um, yeah. You also got the uh, Comic Central podcast you're doing, too, now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's also the Indie Comics Club at Comic Central that I do with Craig Johnson. He creates the comic book Project Savior. He's from England, so we get the literally two people from around the world's view on indie comics. And it's kind of nice because I just don't feel like there's enough people out there supporting indie comics as much as it is. It's kind of like that small audience, and it's a, you know, I've said it before, you know, it seems indie comic people are a lot more quieter than, like, you know, people that make videos and people that make podcasts and so on like that. So it's kind of nice to be able to spread the word on some amazing books like couple ones i i know i sent you some but i don't know if you read them or anything like that but like the pale is pure amazing dead ronin i can never say enough about how good that book is um and then mashbone and grifty those are like my three favorite ones i found there. and i found a lot of great comics off comic central but those are three books if, you, if you're gonna read any books grab those bad boys they are awesome and then you can that was the pale dead ronin what was the last one uh it's called mashbone and grifty and I like it, that name. It, it, is that the one you told me about where it's um where there is a couple of private eyes in Mexico, but they haven't got around to doing any work yet? Yeah, that's the one. And it, it's a comedy, okay. so, you know, I, I like anything that it's comedy-oriented in comic books because I just don't see very much of that. It's, such a, it's weird how that, that's a rare genre. I mean, you got comic strips. They're common, but, like, comedy itself is not the most common one. Nobody really makes comedy comics nearly as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah. But yeah, you can check that out. That's on Podbean. You know, you check out our podcasts on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. If you can leave reviews, ratings, sh- subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And then to top it all off, Pizza Boys, check that out. That's Pizza Boys with a Z. You can get that on Comic Central, Comixology, Amazon. Pretty darn soon, Pizza Boys issue six will be coming out. I pretty much have it completed. I'm just doing the, the last minute checks, making sure it's all dialed in. Checking the words, checking the drawings, making sure, you know, the blacks are where they need to be, the whites are where they are. Not that sounds kind of racist when I say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're drawing a black and white comic and you, you go through and you go, oh, fuck, Look, why is his shoulder missing that, like, black section that needs to be there? Why is that, like, shoe not the right color? It sounds so weird. We just got a couple alt-right, like, you know what, I kind of like these boys after all. They're saying some liberal shit, but that last thing he said is kind of bringing me around. You know, filling in the gray zone in there just to, you know, make it all mesh perfect. Perfectly. Oh, he brought oh, the grace on. He just lost me. He just lost me. Okay. You know, but um, hopefully I, my goal is to kind of get that out at least by in the next week. So maybe not the next podcast we do, but the one after that. Um, have that the short and simple of it. It's just me. This and, would be two issues into season two. Yeah, so it's issue six and so on. It's Pizza Boys number six. It's called Held at Sword Point by two eleven-year-old girls. Or I guess I have it held at story point by 11-year-old girls. I took the two out of there just to save some room. Or else it looks like 211. What's 11. that one about? It's about being, like, kidnapped by 11-year-old girls, which I just think you know, hilarious. And it's based off a true story of me and Ryan Dunnigan, which maybe we'll yeah, do a I podcast where you can go in a little bit more detail to that. But till then, that's something to look forward to. And as always, get prepared for Ryan's comp book, Into the Dirt. It's coming out soon as well, too. Soonish, soonish. I'm a little over halfway done with it, but that one's been chugging along. That's okay. I always tell people about it like it's like, oh, it's the it's like what you haven't heard yet. <laughs> You're doing more advertising than me. I'm not gonna lie. There's a period where I was just I some some personal shit happened, so I kind of stopped caring about Twitter for a while, and then 
I recently started jumping back. I just like I'm just taking a break from it, and then that break went on for like almost a whole year, and now I'm trying to get back to it. And I see how much I feel bad because I see how much you're doing and reaching out there and getting people on the show and making all these. You know, you're you're more or less the reason why we're on. Like we got we met Chris, and now why we're on the Mole Talk Radio Show. So our pro network. So it's one of those things like, oh shit, I got to do my part. So yeah. But yeah, well, you know, there there was the Old Testament, there was the New Testament, then there was that Book of Mormon one, then came <laughs> into the dirt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I'm just no saying there. there. <laughs> you know, when the, Beatles the said, when the Beatles said they were bigger than Jesus, Ryan Dunnigan came out and said he was bigger than the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I probably am bigger, like not, I mean, physically bigger yeah. than any of the Beatles. So you, you could take him in a wrestling match. <laughs> where's that? Where's that eighty-year-old British man going? Get the fuck out here! Back here, just like running down the street. Like, oh no, he's coming after me! And he's wearing a Rolling Stones T-shirt. I can't trust him. <laughs> Mick said we were friends. <laughs> I'll show you friends. But um, till then, yeah, check out all that fun stuff, share the podcast and all that good stuff. And I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And we'll see you some other time. Later, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange podcast. Be sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comics, animations, videos, and a whole lot more. You can easily support the show by buying something from one of our Amazon links on the website or in the show's description itself. Doesn't cost you a penny, but every single thing you buy from there just by using that link to take you to Amazon helps us out a bit. You can also really help the show out, though, by spreading the word the good old-fashioned way and rate and review us on all the sites that you find this podcast. Anything from iTunes to Podbean to Newgrounds, YouTube, you name it, any little bit helps. Give a sub and share it to your friends, family, any jamoke you see out on the street, you let them know about Old Man Orange Podcast. And be sure to check out the Old Man Orange comic book, Pizza Boys, on both Amazon and Comixology. Till then, we'll see you some other time.